you have to have fire to me. Don't do it unless you've got fire for it for some reason, you know, whether it's the person you want to learn from or the mission that you're going to serve, you know, have fire for it. Otherwise you're just going to be checking your days off and that's no fun. And if it even means you have to wait to find fire for something, find it. Inform, inspire, and evolve. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. Join host Lindsay Simons in a friendly conversation about contributing to good as we bring together community, positivity, and energy to the business of generosity. Welcome your host, Lindsay Simons. Hello, podcast family. This is Lindsay Simons, and I just interviewed Darcy Champagne-Wells. You'll hear in this episode a really nice glimpse into just the life of being a fundraiser. She recently hit her $100 million raise. That means that in her lifetime of fundraising, she has raised over $100 million as a leader, as a peer, as a partner. It's a collective effort, but it is a huge huge moment to reflect on and celebrate because that's a big lift as you can only imagine I'm sure. She is really a community connector where she has amazing board members that have nominated her for the Houston Business Journal Award. And she's got connections with youth too. She's mentoring young people and a part of an association where she is shedding light on the industry and encouraging people to come along. I think that you'll enjoy this if you just want to hear a glimpse of the day in the life of a fundraiser and just hear some of the funny stories that she's encountered and what she listens to, what she's reading, what she's doing. That's what it is. And here we go. What have you learned in terms of your leadership? And I mean, you are rocking and rolling with the March of Dimes and you're still... What, so you're senior executive director and market lead. And how is your, how big is the market and what does it look like now in Houston? And what paint the picture of the March of Nines? So I'm, I'm kind of in a dual role, dual hat role. So I am serving as the executive director of Houston while also serving as the senior executive director over all of Texas. So while I have wow. responsibility over the entire state of Texas, which is 40 staff across five markets, I'm the primary executive director for Houston. So, you know, you have to have a little bipolar nature, you know, to be in a good way to be able to to do this. But it's an interesting model. It's a new model. We've been in this, you know, doing this for um, about nine months now, moved into this role right before COVID. Oh, perfect timing. But it's great. It's a player coach role you know, where I'm doing the work and I'm coaching, you know, for the uh-huh. work, which is great. I just hit my hundred million dollar mark this year, which is a huge milestone. I'm so excited. That is a huge milestone. So 12 years and I hit my hundred million. Dang. Congrats. What'd you do to celebrate? Oh gosh. Get back to work. You know, I don't know. <laughs> We oh, don't. Come on. We don't stop and you know, take the time to celebrate ourselves. It happened during COVID too, so maybe, oh. maybe after COVID, you know, we'll have some margaritas and pop some champagne or something. But I feel like this recent award, I, I have celebrated and probably celebrated that inside of it. So it was funny. My boss asked me, she's like, I, I want to do an update to the board of trustees, just about all our, our new senior executive directors when we became senior executive directors. And so she said, you know, give me a few sentences, you know, about some accomplishments since I've written there, you know, made a hundred million dollars this year. I have my, my milestone. She's like, was that a typo? I was like, no, it's not a typo. Look at this. 
Um, yeah, that should be celebrated from the rooftops. That's a huge accomplishment. I, I wonder how many fundraisers have hit a hundred million. That'd be an interesting study. I don't know. And to see your bio and I mean, you're in the like hundred billion category. One billion. Okay. One billion. Okay. One billion. billion. Yeah. Which is definitely nothing to sneeze at. And I would say a hundred billion is like uh another lifetime away. <laughs> no, no, you, you will certainly get there. And as, as your team grows and all under, you know, cause I didn't do all that alone. It was with my team. Me either. No, mine know, is, so. and mine has been as a, you know, under my guidance, direction, management as a consultant and as a team member. And so that's it's, it's so you amazing. know, it's all collaborative and, you know, that's the way, that's why fundraising should be, you know, it should be led. We've talked a lot about this, like, big level is peer to peer, you know, as much as we can put a volunteer in between a problem and an ask. Those yes, are the two I times. love it. I know that was one of the first things I learned as a fundraising professional, always put a volunteer between you and the problem, but, yeah. um, but an ask too. Absolutely. That's the power of it. That's great. Well, c- congratulations. That's so oh, awesome. Thank you. I'll and- be there one day when I grow up. Oh, well, no, it's, it's all a journey, man. But I do think that working as a consultant has helped to expedite that role oh, because sure. I've been on campaigns, capital campaigns in particular, rather than just, you know, the, the average everyday operating funds, which is a longer journey. So I commend you for that because it is a very long journey and you've been a part of March of Dines building community and building reputation and practice of, you know, best practice for so long that it's really paying off. And this is something that you should. I really hope you do take a moment to pause and have just, you know, a margarita is great, but maybe even a little bit more like do something for yourself, you know, journal about it. Maybe this is it. This is, this is part of it. Podcast. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. And speaking, you know, speaking it out loud. And I don't think I've shared that with anyone other than my boss. You know, it's not something I've sung to the rooftops. This is your, your glory song then girl. (laughs) For anybody who's been listening and you're wondering what the heck's going on, Darcy and I worked together on the March of Dimes campaign to end premature birth from 2015 to 16. And I think that, you know, we had some shared visions and some overlaps and we had a really, actually the growth and the opportunity was figuring out how do we merge almost, well, I wouldn't say completely different, but different priorities. How do you create alignment when an organization is as big as the March of Dimes is, and you have various priorities, how do you make that the singing happen together in a chorus? And when Darcy, you just recently won a distinguishment from the Houston Boston Journal, and now hit your $100 million total raise in your lifetime of philanthropy, it's really a good time to celebrate you and honor you. And I'd love to hear you know what your lessons learned are. And paint us a picture about the complexities of a major organization like the March of Dimes and what strategies and tips have really worked well. So that's sort of the framing for the conversation. But just as we started it, let's keep it casual. <laughs> let's chat. Let's talk about things. You know, we can edit anything, but people don't want don't want to edit it either. They just want to hear. That's right. They just want to see real people, real stories. Yeah, real it. stories. Great. So that, that's it. So that's the framing. Well, I was just filling out my questionnaire for that award that you were just talking about with uh-huh. the Houston Business Journal. They send you a questionnaire. They're going to put some excerpts in, into the paper of it. It asked me a few questions and I was like, huh, interesting. So one of the things that I think I'm most proud of with that particular award, it, what it says to me, because it asked me that question. I was like, I don't know how I'd answer that. But actually, it's the fact that I had four board members are the ones that nominated me. 
for that award. And to me, that would, that just, that's the most meaningful piece of getting that recognition is knowing that, you know, I've developed relationships with people who care enough about me personally and about the work we're doing as an organization that they would take that step out and put put that nomination out there for me. I think that was really cool. That's the real reward of the work that we do. You know, it's just developing great relationships. And as you said a minute ago, you you don't do this alone. You do this with your team and you do this with volunteers. And Mm -hmm. so when you can see evidence of people getting on board your movement and catching that vision and wanting to be a part of it, man, that's like where you're on fire. That's at least how I feel. You know, when I'm most on fire is when I see my, my volunteers singing like that. Yeah, I love that. And I had a, I was listening to a podcast that said, when are you most lit up? And so you described that. And I want to actually start integrating that into my podcast. And I think that's just such a cool way of framing your mentality. It's, it's sort of like that getting in the flow or in your, your work state of where you're feeling like nothing else matters and you are feeling like you're in the place you're supposed to be. What's that on fire moment? Yeah, right? on fire moment. Here's another one for you. Darren Bird used to always ask this, <laughs> what's your hype song? So like, if you're about to go in for a solicitation, what are you pumping in the radio by yourself before you get going? That's so crazy because this questionnaire just asked me the same thing. Like, what does no your way. It did. Make my life easier. Send me this questionnaire. I'm going to have my cheat sheet from It's now such on. a great interview questionnaire. But it asked <laughs> me the same thing. It asked me, Let's what's my funny. hype song? And what is the last book that I've read? And what do I do first thing in the morning? Perfect. Great. I'll add those to the list. <laughs> so my hype song is one, it's, it's a little known song, um, but look it up if you're listening it's called look up child okay and it's from a woman named lauren daigle and it's got a great little beat and it's you know it's like look up child it's going to be a great day kind of thing like you're on fire right so that's my favorite kind of hype song right now and my last book i read was <laughs> dare to lead by brene oh, yeah. brown who yep. i have a little bit of a crush on because she's oh, big brilliant time. Hey, Brene Brown, if you're listening, let's do an interview. <laughs> she's amazing. She's amazing. What's the first thing you do in the morning? So for me, it's like get my kids up and fed and off to school. And then right now, it's getting dressed from the waist up. <laughs> That's the Zoom world we're in. So That's the Zoom world. I think this Zoom world that we're having is making our interactions more casual and comfortable than maybe the formality that we're used to in person. Yeah. I think people are just, you know, it's okay when your cat climbs up on top of the desk and runs across and people just laugh at it or when the baby cries and, you know, they have to hold the baby. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's just loosened us all up and made, it's humanized us. It's humanized us. I think that's true. And I hope we never go back. I like the humanity part of this crazy world. How do you think you would integrate some of the humanization that you're learning now when you're back in person? Mm, Oh, wow. That's a, that's an interesting question. I don't know, maybe not approach things so formally, you know, maybe just like the conversation we're having, focusing first on the personal things. What, you know, what are you reading? You know, what, what have you got on, you know, where was the last time you went on vacation and, you know, what have you been doing with the kiddos or, you know, prioritizing that kind of real conversation because we tend to get down to business, you know, so much. Yeah. That would be a good priority. 
Okay. I like all of that. And I want to go back to Brene Brown and your boss. And I want to ask you who has been a phenomenal mentor leader to you. Cause you mentioned the four board members who nominated you for this career recognition and just who's been somebody that's really resonated for you and why. Yeah. So again, another question that was on my questionnaire, I just completed. Oh my goodness. Send me this questionnaire. You were like reading my mind. So there was one person in particular that really came to mind when I was answering that question. And it was a, my first major gift owner um, okay. 25 years ago. Okay. He was a general, I think a Lieutenant Colonel at the time in the army. And I was with the university. And was this your first year or set the stage for? Sure. I can't believe you've been in the industry for 25 years. Yeah, you look yes, yes. Not old enough to have had that. But was this, were you in major gifts right off the bat or where were you in your career? No. So I was the first year in my development world. I had never, I didn't even knew, know what a development officer was like six months before this. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Same with basically everybody in our industry. I was. In a in an MBA program okay. at the University of Houston, okay, and had a professor who worked at the university, and I really clicked with what the College of Business was doing, and just got really passionate about it. And he offered me a job, and okay. I was like, "I have an opening for a director of development. You'd be perfect for this." I said, well, "What is a director of development?" <laughs> That's how I got into development work, and I've cool. never gone back. I mean, wow. just. It was a good fit from the beginning. Shane, oh, good fit from the beginning. Like I had no idea. And that's why I'm so passionate. Next topic for, t- you know, sharing with the next generation, like this is a career, right? So I had one of my first donors when I was at the, the business school at University of Houston and he had lost his wife to cancer. And he had actually, he was an alum from there and had a really bad experience at the university. The only reason he made the gift was because that was what was important to his wife. So he called up and he says, I want to make a $25,000 gift to name a scholarship in my wife's honor. And I got the call so much and obviously transpired in, in those you know, moments and even weeks and years you know, to come. But he spoke, invited him to speak and tell his story. And he was an esteemed military man at the university. And I was sitting in the front row listening to him speak. And he said, if there's anything I can tell you in life, if there's a motto I can give you to carry forward, it is to seek impact, not impression. And in that moment, like those words were written on my heart. Wow. I mean, 25 years later, and I get teary eyed thinking about it. Those words still mean so much to me, and he means so much to me. So we actually. Uh, about a year ago, had dinner together in DC when I was up there. And so 25 years later, I'm still connected to this oh, man. He's... I feel the chills. I feel like I can see you're visually impacted by this. Oh, this yeah. is amazing. And he tells me, I mean, he told me then and he tells me this now. He's like, you're the reason that oh. I reunited with that university because I didn't yeah. have a good experience. And because of the way you treated me and you were there for me in that moment, in my life, in that moment of pain and the connection we made, he's like, he's still involved today. And so wow. it just makes you a little person young in their career feel like, wow, I can make a difference in this world. So, mm. you know, I just, you know, one thing I'm passionate about is trying to share that message. Yes. Especially, I think, you know, people in college who have no idea that there is a career out of serving in this way, you know, like I always had a heart to change the world, but then I was like, okay, but I got to be a business person because that's how you have a career, right? 
same here. Well, yeah. you can do both. Hello, do both. people don't realize yeah. that you could do both. You know, so I want to share that loudly. I sit on a board now for the University of Houston for a nonprofit management program to get your certificate in, in um, philanthropy. Awesome. And so I'm passionate about that because I'm like, yes, we want to grow up the next generation because what a cool career that is the least known, probably career option people, you know, they don't realize that it's out there for them. I love that. I was actually just listening two nights ago. I just discovered a new podcast. Now, this is a long story. I was sitting down as one does during COVID and turns on the TV. I'm not a big TV person. So of course I had to ask friends, like, I don't know what to do and how to navigate this. And what do I need to watch? (laughs) Because I'm like, I just don't do a lot of TV, but not that I'm better than it. It's just that it's too, it's too much for me. So my friend was like, Oh man, you have to watch Indian matchmaker. I've never seen it. I'm like, what? (laughs) This sounds like reality TV trash. I'm not going to watch that. And she was like, just watch it. Just watch it. You're going to love it. And so I finally decided, all right, I'm going to turn it on. I turned it on right off the bat. There was this woman named Aparna on there. And I was like, she looks so familiar. And then I just thought, well, who knows? You know, I'm just watching the show on episode two. She says, some guy was asking her, they were on their date, right? This matchmaking date. (laughs) And the matchmaker had set her up with this guy who's this like, you know, whatever, super nice guy. And he was like, what would you do with a seven day vacation on a beach? And she was like, seven days on a beach? No, thank you. She said, I spent a hundred days on a boat. I'll never do that again. And I was like, we went on semester at sea together. So I reached out to her on LinkedIn and I was like, Hey, this is really random, but did you happen to go on Semester at Sea Fall 2005? Because I think I've just seen you on TV and I recognize you. And it's just like, am I crazy? And (laughs) she said, it's me, Lindsay. We totally went on Semester at Sea together. And I was like, that's crazy. That's amazing. So that's one part of the this long story. The second part is that on the show, there was this guy that she was set up with who's a podcaster. Okay. And so I was so interested. I was like, oh, I got to check out his podcast then. And so of course I did. And I'm going to try to pull up exactly what it was called. But there is a point to this very long and windy story. <laughs> I turn it on and I'm like, okay, this is really cool. It's called The Unmistakable Creative hosted by Srinivas Rao. And I had just been talking with my sister about women of influence and power. And we were talking about Liz Wiseman. Liz Wiseman wrote this book about maximizers and minimizers. So are you actually maximizing and giving people opportunity or are you minimizing and selfing their creativity and their sense of potential at the workforce? So on this podcast, she happened to come up. I Googled her and he was already in my list of podcasts that I subscribed to. So that was the first episode that I listened to of this podcast. And the long, long, long ending or the short ending of the long, long story is Liz Weissman. You've got to check out her book and this podcast, but she talks about the deep, deep value and importance of mentoring and ushering young people, especially the first job out of college, because it makes an impression that they will never be able to take back. And it's extremely formative. So I'm glad to hear that you too care about giving back into the next generation. That's the point I wanted to say was I was glad you cared. And then I took five minutes to tell you that story. (laughs) No, what a great story. I love that story. That's great. Talk about serendipity (laughs) and one dot leading to the next dot leading to, oh, here is the revelation. Oh my god! It was a great podcast. And and Liz Weissman is just really interesting. She talks so much about how important it is for young people to not only see various career opportunities, but also to be 
you know, look for their creative genius and say like, what are you really good at that you would do even if you weren't getting paid to do it? And then find what's the right role for that person. Like what are they already doing naturally and how can we maximize that for business or for good or whatever the career opportunity is. And that's how you build entrepreneurs too, you know, like you, you know, where you can help them uncover. Everybody has a natural gift, you know, what is that gift? And then you can turn it into a business. I think, you know, at least I, you know, in college felt like, well, you have to go and you got to go work in a job and you got to go work for a company. You know, I didn't think about nonprofit. I didn't think about entrepreneurism, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think the possibilities and what we sow into those, you know, students at that age is, is so critical. So I'm so grateful that I happened upon the career change, you know, when Mm -hmm. I did and met someone who, you know, really changed my life by saying, you would be perfect for this and gave me a chance. And I didn't even know what the job meant. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cool story. All right. So I've hit on what is your, who are your role models? Or at least he is one inspirational role model to you and mentor. And then I love that you're giving it back. Is there one tip that you would give to a young person if they're entering fundraising for the first time and they're kind of like you, that's fish out of water. Like I didn't even know the industry existed. Now somebody's like, people are calling me and I'm supposed to be calling them. And how do I make this work? So I would say shadow, shadow, shadow. So just seek out every opportunity to be a shadow to someone, you know, that's doing well. I did that, you know, early on, primarily because I had no idea what I was doing. And I really (laughs) had to learn, like, what is Like everybody right out of, you know, in that age range. But I had, you know, that person who took a chance on me, he was spending time in the offices of CEOs, you know, because it was a business school, talking to CEOs about the value proposition and about, you know, trying to really, you know, garner their support and being able to shadow him and those experiences. I mean, I had lunch with him. I mean, this has been 20 years, but I had lunch with him the other day and just told him that. I was like, thank you. I mean, I had no idea in my early 20s the knowledge and experience you were giving me at that moment. And I, you know, just want to share that with others, like ask for it, because I think people are willing if, if you are insatiable about learning and you say, can yeah. I shadow you? Can I shadow you? You know, yeah. remember that meeting you're going on? Can I shadow you? Yeah. People will invite you into that. And that's the most amazing way, not only to learn and observe, but also to figure out your own passion. And if you can mm, do that early and unlock that. that early, man. Yeah. I get goosebumps thinking about it. So that's, that's my two cents. I'm with you on that. I'm so with you on that. So speaking of goosebumps and passion and motivation, as a fundraiser, it is critical that you have passion for your mission. What if you are looking for a new job and your fundraiser, then you know, do you go to the new opportunity or does it have to align with your passion? And how do you make sense of like the job hopping that happens in fundraising? So I think passion can come from a variety of places. So when I came to the March of Dimes, I didn't know, I went from the University of Houston to the March of Dimes and I didn't know anything about the mission really. I made the change because I was ready for that step in my career to become an executive director and that opportunity. But it was the person who I interviewed with 
the person that I got passionate about mm. first. Then I got passionate about the mission. Interesting. And I said, I need to work for this woman, the woman who recruited me, who I'm of course, still friends with because anybody who enters my life, like I just don't let them go. Let's um, hear who it is. Let's give her a shout out. <laughs> her name is Paula Ransom. For oh, Paula. Love Paula. <laughs> you know Paula. So Paula Ransom recruited me. So I didn't know the mission, but I fell for her. Okay, cool. Interesting. You know, and her vision. And I was like, I can learn from her. I can get so excited about working for her. And it wasn't too long before her cultivating cultivation of me and then my exposure to the mission, it caught I caught fire to the mission as well. So yeah. I think you have to have fire, you know, I, to me, don't do it unless you're you've got fire for it for some reason, you know, whether it's wow. the person you want to learn from or the mission that, that you're going to serve, you know, have fire for it. Otherwise mm. you're just going to be, you know, checking your days off and that's no fun. And if it even means you have to wait to find fire for something, find it. Get it out. Find that passion to get out of bed in the morning. That's right. Because, you know, like me, I mean, I, I've, I stayed in jobs eight years, 12 years. I mean, I stay in jobs for a long, you know, a lo- you know, long period of time. It's like, you know, you want to have that energy to get up and, and do something great every day with where you are. You know, I believe that strongly. I, I hate to see the hopping. And I think that's probably because there's maybe a lack of emotional connection, whether it be with a person or, you know, the mission. And the more you have that, the more you might be willing to, you know, be there and grow and learn. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think that the job hopping is really detrimental to not only the individual, because then they just get disjointed and they don't have a chance to really grow deep roots, but then it's harmful to the organization because they've got to retrain and hire and recruit and then build relationships with the board members and the donors. And so if there's any recommendation that I can give to fundraisers out there, it's to learn from Darcy as an example to say she just hit a hundred million dollars and it's not from jumping around. From no, 12 job. years. Uh, I'm celebrating my 12 year anniversary, September 30th. Uh, Amazing. And not that it's wrong to leave if it's a bad fit, but that it's so worth just digging through and confronting like what is a challenge and how can I overcome it? That's right. And stay the course. That's right. And I'd say, you know, look at the organizations that you're looking at and look at the longevity of the people who were there. Right. Like I look at my team. I just had um, a team member celebrate 30 years. I had another team member just celebrate 20 years. Wow. Um, You know, that says a lot about the organization when you've got people who are so long tenured. So Mm -hmm. I would say look at that too. I love that. So if you were to say one compliment to your boss, what would it be? So who who's your manager now? So her name is Kelly and she's been my manager for like nine months now um, oh. and through COVID. So she's just getting used to, to my quirks and eccentricities. And I would say <laughs> right now, thank you to her because, you know, I've been blessed. And I think this comes with tenure and proving yourself been blessed with folks who give me a lot of runway and say, you have a vision, go for it. And I am so grateful because I am an entrepreneurial person and I can be entrepreneurial in a job that I've been in for 12 years because my leadership allows me to be. And so Kelly, thank you. Love it. (laughs) 
All right, Darcy. So what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in a solicitation? If you raise a hundred million dollars, what's one time where you were like, now that was off the wall? <laughs> okay. So this wasn't a solicitation, but it was the first thing that popped in my head. So I have to okay, share. Okay, cool. Do it. So I'm brand new in this job with Paula Ransom, right? Okay. Uh, brand new on the job as an executive director at the March of Dimes. And Paula says, we've got this big meeting. It's going to be in Houston. We're bringing everybody from across the state of Texas into Houston for this big meeting. And I need a futurist to come in and talk to our statewide board of directors. Okay. And she's like, you just came from a university. You've got to know a futurist. I'm like, okay, I'm on this. I'm going to deliver. I'm gonna make I don't even own. know what a futurist is. What does that mean? Studies, you know, the future and the, the future. future trends. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So that okay. they can kind of help project out future trends, right? So I okay. called the futurist, like okay. the guy, right? Um, he wasn't available to come to this meeting, but he's like, but I recommend, I'm going to recommend someone to you. I'm like, great. That's the first thing my boss has asked me, man, I'm going to, I'm going to win it. So I talked to this guy on the phone. I'm like, you know, Dr. So-and-so, you recommended you. Could you come to this meeting? Um, sure. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be happy to be there. I don't meet the, him until he walks into the room. So my first board meeting, I'm being introduced as the new executive director in Houston. And in comes this six foot tall gentleman in a big bucket cowboy hat <laughs> and buckle. And just the true, just Texas, oh. you know, cowboy stereotype in, into the room. And this is our futurist. And I was just purple. And just so I was just like, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. And it was the most embarrassing thing in the world. I'm we're calling are still laughing about it to this day. He did an amazing job. It was brilliant. He did. He was legit. He was totally legit, but it was He just surprised you with he his couldn't appearance. help but just really smile really wide when you were looking at him because he was just dressed like almost like in a costume. <laughs> well, there you go. Now this is a perfect tie back to the beginning of what we're talking about with COVID, and you know, letting everybody let their uh, wild hair grow or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. So you know, I had to learn to laugh early in the career. You know, I like that. that. That's a good so, one. Yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> All right. So mindful time. What's one question that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you for everybody who's listening as you celebrate one hundred million dollars raised. So I, I guess I would say, you know, what's next? What, you know, what am I lo most looking forward what to? What is next? How did I miss that? Yeah. I mean, what am I most looking forward to in the next hundred million? Heck yeah. So for me, I'm, you know, going through a huge transformation. Our organization's going through a huge transformation and I am personally too. I mean, we are moving from an event-based organization to a major gift and relationship-based organization. And no matter how many consultants and playbooks you can have, you got to go through it to learn it and you got to get uncomfortable and you got to face the fear and COVID as horrendous as it is and as changing as it will be to the nonprofit industry, I think is pushing us, just pushing nonprofit leaders and nonprofits that have been event centered. It's just pushing them out of their comfort zone and into a place where you have no choice but to build a relationship-based fundraising model. Go. It's like sink or swim. This is your survival now, you know? And so I think we all needed that push. You know, even March of Dimes has been on a journey. It escalated our journey. It's pushing us harder. I can't wait to see how operating in that model, that, that next 
you know, hundred million dollars is going to come so much quicker than the first hundred million. Yeah. Because I'm doing business differently. Yeah. It won't be another 12 years before we're back chatting again. Let's, let's mark your calendar. How, what's your goal? Let's put it on the calendar. Ooh, ooh. I would say let's do it in half that. Half that. Okay. Six years from now, yeah. it's 2020. So in 2026, we're going to do a check-in with you. That's right. That's All right. Let's great. put it on the calendar. I love it. I'm excited. Hopefully we won't, we'll talk before then too. Well, we'll talk for sure before <laughs> then, but we'll interview you about your second hundred million. So Darcy, what's the one strategy you're going to take with you that you've learned in the last hundred million that you're going to apply immediately to the next hundred million to half your time? I would say it would be not to be shy that our mission is important. And even in times like this, in times of COVID, that you can't, you can't not ask. You can't not talk about your critical mission, right? And I think I've learned that even more so in this time. You know, our mission's important. It will be important tomorrow. It'll be important no matter what is going on in this world. Moms and babies need the funding for us to accomplish great things for them. Give us your pitch. Give us a 30 to 60 second pitch for the March 9th. Absolutely. So, you know, moms and babies are really in a crisis. They were before COVID. They're even in more of a crisis now during COVID. So we need continued investments that we can continue to make breakthroughs. The United States is the worst place to give birth in the world. And we want to be a part of changing that. It's astonishing and it's not okay. And we can change it. So join us, be a part of that, do something great, you know, right here in whatever city you're in, you can change that statistic. You got my checkbook. Thank you. And thank you for this time. It's been super fun. It's been really fun. I wish we had a little bit more time. Sorry if you had any script whatsoever. I just, you know, totally destroyed whatever plans you had for this podcast. (laughs) This was actually an awesome podcast from my perspective. I don't know. Let's hear anybody else thinks, but hey, audience, what do you think? Tell me. I I love this. I love the natural chat. I think what you're doing is shining a light on the human element of the job and what's beautiful about it and what's fun about it. And it's a, you know, to me, it's a sales pitch. Like I would say if I wasn't in fundraising already, I'd be interested in it just to hear about your joyfulness and your career growth opportunities and your passion and the people you've met. And it's a, it's a wonderful testament to you, Darcy, yourself. And that's why you're getting recognized and you're hitting these goals. But also it's a great model for others to hear. So thank you for sharing, shining the light on your journey as you know, human as it is. Thank you. And congratulations on your success and being bold and doing new things and starting great conversations and just passing on um, great people that you're bringing together in this podcast, you know, so that others can hear from them. It's very, very needed. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And if there's anybody else that you recommend or you you think we should be talking to, send them my way and let's share this with as many as we can so that we can, you know, spread the, spread the joy and the light and insights and, you know, stay connected, stay human. That's right. Love it. Thank you. All right, Darcy. Well, thank you and have a great evening. Let's be in touch. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Creating Community for Good podcast. If you like what you heard, let me know. Send me a message on LinkedIn or write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're curious about a topic or you'd like to be a guest, 
let's connect. Go to www.creatingcommunityforgood.com. In there, you will see all of the podcast episodes with beautifully written show notes and hyperlinks to everything that we've discussed. Thank you and shine on. With this latest valuable episode, we'd love to thank you for joining us on the Creating Community for Good podcast. If you found today's show valuable, simply visit our website, creatingcommunityforgood.com to leave a review as well as to get access to additional resources and relevant links from this show. Stay tuned for more episodes.